The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Good evening, this is Rich from the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. And tonight's episode is gonna be a little bit different. We're gonna call this episode Off the Cuff. And why it's going to be different is because unlike previous episodes, we're not gonna introduce tonight's guest by name. We're not gonna mention any agency affiliation or anything like that. I want this episode to be kind of real, kind of raw. It's no secret that law enforcement these days, it's tough, it's challenging, it's not easy. So. We're very fortunate to have some relationships over the years, and we are joined by a law enforcement professional of nearly 40 years, and he is still active in the profession. So needless to say, I think it's pretty easy to say, sir, thank you for joining us. You've probably seen this profession change from when you started to where we are today. Would you agree? Oh, wholeheartedly. It is, uh, it's taken a whole 180 from where it used to be. And would you say pros and cons or anything significant that sticks out to you? Well, there's, you know, as we go along and as things change, there were changes that needed to, to happen. We all know that. I mean, there were back in the day, we, we did things that, you know, now are just not politically correct and you can't do anymore. You just can't do it. Um, but we had the respect of the of the bad guys, I guess is the, the way to say it. We treated the decent people good, but we treated the bad guys probably better, you know, much worse than we do now, simply because there were not that many of us. Some of them were really bad guys, and they needed to know that you're not going to come after us and hurt us. That's changed now. We We've had to become more... And I don't want to use the word professional because I, I think all of us still are professional. And everyone knows there's always a few bad apples. But the majority of the cops out there on the street today, I still see them coming in, uh, brand new guys hitting the street that are still professional. And I see a bunch of the older guys. And, I, you know, again, I've been, you know, I've been around for a lot of years. I still conduct myself professionally. And we've had to change over the years. And, we, and most of us have changed. Some were not able to, and they've moved along. But those changes, um, you know, some of them were good, some of them were bad. And it just is, uh, you know, it's the one thing we always say in law enforcement. We always hate change. Change is the worst thing in the world. We don't want to change. We like what we do. This is the way it goes. This is the line we walk. Don't make us change that line. But it has to happen. It's inevitable. Shifts change. Hours change. You know, um, positions change. And it's just not something we're comfortable with. This new change in the world we're in today is something that we've never experienced before. We don't know how to react to this stuff. Um, and, and that's that's the worst part for all of us. We don't know what's, you know, we have to treat people differently. But even so, we still have to do our jobs. 
And with these new changes, when we do our jobs, are we risking ourselves, um, you know, being prosecuted, being injured? All of that stuff comes into play. Well, this is where, and we have the, the peer support section of our charity. This is where we seem to be getting a lot more, I don't know if I would use the word stress, but, or concern. I don't know what's more appropriate, but we've been getting a lot more people reaching out. I have this many years to go. I don't have the support that I think I need. Maybe the profession is no longer worth it. Uh, and I think that goes along with some of the risks that you mentioned. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know many professions, and I've said this before, where you can go out and do your job with the best intentions possible, and you can literally be charged internally, administratively, criminally in the court of law. You can be sued civilly. I mean, it's, and, and then, on and this has definitely changed from when you started to now, basically crucified on social media and the media. Yeah, and there's no hiding. You know, we it's it's not like you can not give your name and they aren't going to know who you are. You know, it comes down to the fact that we all saw in social media here recently where they, you know, one guy went to a police chief's house, knocked on his door and stabbed him in the face with a knife pick. That has ramifications to it. The fact that you do your job and you do it the best of your ability and somebody gets hurt, and now you're going to be investigated. You could be possibly criminally charged. You civilly sued. People show up at your house. You're going to have to move. Those actions have consequences for those of us who work the street. Very negative consequences. That's the worst part of it. And that's why you're seeing the big uptick in our guys reaching out for help because they don't know who to turn to. In a lot of cases, and, and in my personal situations, that I've run into is we can no longer trust administrators. We have so few of them that you can trust because they're bending with the waves of the wind. You know, when you have giant protests happening and your city's burning down, a lot of those administrators are, are, are given in because they want to, you know, try and appease the public as well as, keep their jobs, keep things moving along in their city. And they don't want the city and the innocents, you know, civilians out there to, to be damaged. Problem with that is that somebody's going to pay for that. And it's the street cops that are paying for it. Look at Portland, 103 nights, 103 nights. And now they're throwing Molotov cocktails. You can't tell me that um, a young cop who has a wife and kids is not thinking about doing something else. Who well, we just, in their right mind, you know, we, wants to do that? I couldn't agree more. And we just saw this. We just put a video up in Dallas, Texas, and it was, it was actually very difficult to watch because it was right in front of the police department. This is the same police department that we went out to after they had several of their officers shot, injured, and killed after they were pro protecting protesters from the Black Lives Matter movement, they were protecting the same people. And in return, that's what they had. They had that tragedy strike. Well, we just shared this video literally just yesterday or today. I forget when it was, but we shared this video and it was this younger looking female officer. And it's funny you mentioned leadership because that was, I was going to segue right into that. There were 
several sergeants, at a minimum sergeants, I have to assume there was maybe a lieutenant over there too, but there were several supervisors on scene and this crowd got in her face. There was zero respect for personal space, pointing the finger, cursing at her, yelling at her, berating her. And she just stood there and took it. And I, I want to make it clear, I'm not knocking that officer. It was clear to me that her hands were basically tied. And that comes back to leadership. And that chief literally just, I, I believe, resigned tonight or this afternoon, as a matter of fact. But we know several officers with that agency. They're good cops. So you can't say it's the agency. I think it goes back to leadership. I really do. Yeah, and I don't, yeah, I would never infer that any agency is, uh, you know, is, is the agencies are giving up, but there has to be a point at which this is going to stop. We cannot, we cannot expect these, especially these young officers to stand out there on these lines and be spit on, cussed at, have cans of soup thrown at them, fireballs thrown at them, the commercial grade fireworks. How long does that go before we don't have a front line anymore? You know, I can tell you that had this happened to me early in my career, I, I probably would have said, that's enough of that. I'm going to go be a fireman. Who I mean, Everybody loves a fireman. Everybody loves you, those you guys. Cannot, yeah. You cannot expect these young troops to keep doing it without some ramifications. You know, they're le- we're looking at them now. I, I see guys have been here 10, 12 years in the business that are throwing their hands up going, I got a wife and kid. I'm not doing this anymore. And they find another career. They just completely leave law enforcement. And, and, and I don't just, blame them. And we just spoke to somebody from an organization out in California, and they're seeing the exact same thing that you just said out there. Yep. So it's got to yeah. be across it's, the country. It's happening in droves. And I, I can tell you that in one of, the, one of the factors, look in the police academies. Look at the numbers of people that are joining the police academies. They're not. They're just not doing it anymore. No one's coming out of there. Why would you ever do that? You know, and, well, and that's the bad ramifications to the poor leadership or the leadership who is not stepping up and saying, hey, let's, you know, we need to handle business here. You want to protest, go ahead and protest. And there's been several. I think there was one in Orlando and there was no violence at all. Nobody got arrested. Nobody tore anything up. They just let them go. And, ha- and I'm all for it. Let them do it. Get your permits, do your protest. Happy go lucky. But the minute you start throwing Molotov cocktails at people, the game has changed. We can't tolerate that. And unfortunately, leadership nowadays is putting up with way too much of that. I couldn't agree more. There's probably no better example than you have places like Portland, Seattle, New York City. I mean, to see some of these videos, did you ever in your career, in your career, did you ever think you would see videos of our brothers and sisters literally standing on a line and having fireworks thrown at them, ignited, lit, and thrown at them, and then they stand there and they can't do anything? It's, it's insane to me to even think about. I, I, and, and why are we allowing that to happen? We have guys being blinded with lasers. We have commercial-grade fireworks hurting people. And, and you start throwing gasoline-filled bottles, Molotov cocktails at people, and, and trying to intentionally light these law enforcement officers on fire, that that game has changed. You cannot tolerate it. It has to be addressed, and it needs to. If it doesn't stop soon, there's not going to be anybody to stop it, because the guys aren't going to go to work anymore. We're seeing a lot of that. So the the, the leaders and the administrators need to start stepping up. 
Um, they're going to have to make those changes. They're going to have to stop bending over and saying, okay, you know, let's just, uh, let's take a little more, let them have a little freedom here. It, it's you start burning down buildings and throwing those kind of devices. It's over. It's time to, if somebody needs to go to jail any way that it has to happen. It has to stop. It's crazy. It seems, you know, here in Florida, and this is across the state, the statement I'm going to make, but it just, it seems like this double-edged sword where we on the front lines, you can't necessarily win. And when I think about leadership, so you have, primarily you have your police departments and you have your sheriff's offices. So you have your police chiefs, which typically are appointed from city commission, city council, local politicians, we can call it. And then you have your, your local sheriffs, which are pretty much elected from the community that they serve that go out and vote. And it's, it's like, I don't know, you just can't win. It's, it just seems fewer and fewer. And let me also say that there are good ones out there and we appreciate the good ones so much, but it just seems that there are fewer and fewer concern with the frontline troops, their officers, making it clear publicly that they support their officers, as opposed to being concerned with what their local politicians might think or whoever has the loudest voice in their community. That's just kind of a, a, an overall assessment I've personally made. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah you, you have to, um, they're going to have to start supporting their people. They're going to have to put the people in place that, that will allow their guys to do their job, do it correctly. And, you know, the old saying of no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop, that, we know that that's true. We know Correct. that we weed them out as fast as we can weed them out. Unfortunately, with all the cameras and all the phones and all the videos, we see more of it now than we ever did before. We know it existed. Then we got rid of most of those guys. Now it's just out in the public. Um, and, and we'll get rid of them. But the, the fact is you cannot – you can't keep doing the things you're doing um, with the protest and allow our guys getting hurt. It just isn't going to work because, you know, and we hear this all the time. Well, you know, you've got a couple of instigators that come in in the protest, and those are the guys that are being paid to cause trouble, or those are the guys that cause trouble. It's only a few of them. So it's okay for you guys, the rest of you guys, to be out there protesting when you have a few bad apples, but it's not okay for us to have a few bad apples and the rest of us to do our jobs. You know, it, there's, a, there's an equity there that is not making any sense. I forgot the meme or the post that I saw the other day, but it was really funny. It was um, had to do with some protesters being upset, saying that there's so many good ones and one person is acting out and now you're blaming all of us for being bad protesters. And then it's two police officers laughing with each other saying, you see how it feels. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was, yeah, exactly the point I'm making. And Spot on. Yeah, so, it, you know, exactly. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You know, if you can't police yourself, how do you expect us to do that? You know, let, let us teach you how to do it because we've been doing it for years. We get rid of the bad guys, the bad apples in the group. We always have. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at. But it, truly with the leadership, they're going to have to. And we know many in Florida. I have seen many of them stand behind their people and get right out in front of it and not wait for days and months for all the investigations to be done. The body cameras are out there. Get it out there. Show it, you know, put it out there. You're not going to, I cannot believe you're hurting that investigation because it's going to be seen anyway. Let's get it out there. Let the public see what's happened. 
You know, if if the individual has a gun, let's put it out there. You know, it may quell some of that stuff, but to try and, and, oh, you can't release it because it's under investigation, that kind of stuff is doing nothing but causing more hate and discontent and mistrust. Well, we've got some contacts in the media, and universally, every single person has told us the worst thing that you can tell the media is no comment. Because when you say things like no comment or we can't release this just yet, then they have to turn, and I'm not sticking up for the media, but I'm just going to make a point to kind of piggyback off of what you said. They have to turn and use what they get. So if they're not hearing the facts that we know them at that time, they're going to go listen to quote-unquote witnesses or rely on edited video. And then this is part of the problem. Yeah. And we, we can move into the media topic because that was another topic I was going to cover. Uh, when, when you talk about the cameras, it's funny because – I remember an agency out in Nevada, they were really, really pressured to use body cameras, so much so that the ACLU was going to personally fund body cameras for the officers. Well, the agency started having press conferences over major incidents or critical incidents, if you will. They started releasing body camera footage, and lo and behold, the ACLU did not like what they were seeing. So then there was a push for them to stop releasing so much body camera footage. Yeah, exactly. We've seen that. I mean, that goes into um, the complaints against officers. You know, we all know that 75% of the complaints have stopped because the minute you call in and go, hey, this guy did this and did that, and you remind them that he's wearing a camera, they just hang up. So it it helps us, um, and, I, and I do agree that, uh, you know, I I always look at the media with one eye simply because that's about half of what you get. They're going to sensationalize anything they can. And it, I think it, it, takes the, uh, it takes the flame out of their fire when you release it and say, here's what happened. You know, here it is live. You can look at it yourself and see that that's not what happened. You can listen to everybody you want to listen to, but you can't, you know, you can't deny the fact that here it is on camera. This is the way it actually happened. So it makes a difference. And I think we can uh, we can get the the media to put the flames down a little bit if you, if they actually have nothing they can go with. But you try and hide it, you don't put it out there, then they're going to make up something. Right. Would you say in your career, have you seen a change in the way the media covers law enforcement incidents, or has it always been this way? I think it's always been this way. I think they just have more to cover now and they have more information. They have more people giving them camera footage, more people want to get interviewed, you know, and so they can, you know, just throw more gas on that fire and get it all going and get it all fired up and get people even better. Um, the media has never been, they've always looked for the, the dirt in the story. That's just what they do. I right. mean, that's, that's their job. You know, they're not going to sell, they're not going to sell meat and no one's going to watch the news if uh, there's a police shooting and they shot a guy. Look how many, how many guys that get shot that are actually robbing a bank, robbing a store, doing a drug deal. You don't see those in the media because they're not newsworthy, you know? So that's kind of my point was there, they haven't changed at all. They just have more material to work with now. That's a good point. Okay, and then moving on to politics. So 
No, I'm not going to ask you who you're voting for for the president. <laughs> this is not a well, this is yeah. not a Trump or Biden thing, but yeah. politics in general, and it's it's such a nasty connotation just to say politics, but it just seems yeah. to be destroying this country. We're at odds with each other. And yeah. well, I, you've been doing this profession three times as long as I have, and in my short time compared to your time. I've just seen it pro- just continue to get worse and worse and worse. Your thoughts it on is. politics? <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I, and I will. I will say this to my young, old, medium, all the law enforcement officers out there: um, just stay out of it. Don't get involved in it while you're working. You know, you need to be loyal to the guy you're working for. You may not like him. You may not like his policies, but you're certainly working for him. So you need to be loyal there. Um, to that guy that signs your paycheck. However, you certainly are entitled to have your own opinion and on your time off, do what you want to do. But um, the politics in, in police work nowadays has gotten so bad that it, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. You will see people get themselves in trouble. They get hammered. Um, we've seen the stories where they, they go after people personally and try and remove them from their jobs, you know, and it just, it has to get out of the, it's got to stay out of there. You got to stay out of the middle of it and not get involved in it at all. There's so many ramifications down the road. If the person you're supporting doesn't win, you know, what's going to happen to you and your job later down the road. There's so many other things going on that the politics is just, it's creating a nightmare for everybody. And it's gotten worse and worse over the years, I think. But at the point that it's at now, there's so many other things going on. I don't know that people even notice that much. I would agree with you. I don't think the general public has any idea how bad the politics can be. And we all see it. Watch when they put in a, a vacancy for a detective spot or a sergeant spot. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. It, it's cutthroat. Well, and it's pretty, it's pretty routine that, okay, well, they put the spot out. Who's it for this time? You know, I, we've seen the 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 reviews come out, and the precursors are okay. You got to have this before you can apply for this job, and you got to have this. And it's sometimes they're written just for a certain individual who qualifies for all those little qualifications, and no one else can. So Correct. you know, and, but that's that's never going to change. That's an animal that I don't think will ever change that part of it. Um, and I guess it's referred to in most cases is a good old boy syndrome. It just, it's there. It's going to be there. It is, it is a nightmare to try and change that and get rid of it. Um, could it be done? Probably. And I think some agencies have really taken a, a lead on that, but there are still so many that are way behind the ball. All right. You know, and, then, and it's, uh, no, I agree with you. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, the other side of it is if you happen to be one of the guys that is outspoken, because yeah, I know a guy like that. Um, <laughs> and there are people that will go the extra mile to make sure you don't get in the position you might want to go to. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. No, it's, it's tough. And then keeping with politics but getting outside of the police department and the sheriff's office and these agencies in general, I got to say it's – we're seeing so much of it on social media where there are, there are some politicians that know nothing about police work, but seem to have 
respect for the profession and are willing to support the profession, the good ones. But lately, especially, I would say after uh, the whole hands up, don't shoot nonsense with, with Michael Brown and all that, and then it seemed to go away for a little bit and now it came back tenfold this year. There seems to be so many politicians that are just pandering for votes that seem to know nothing about police work. You know, they, they haven't done a ride along, let alone a, a citizen's police academy, let alone sat in the car and, and watched anything. You know, there's so many opportunities now. So many agencies open up their training units and come, come watch a simulator, come participate in, you know, just scenario-based training, things like that. There just seems to be so many casting judgment. It's just frustrating. Uh, you have that in your neck of the woods as well? Yeah, you've, you've seen it over the periods of time where reporters will be taken into a simulator or be put into the live exercise scenarios that go on, and they come out of there going, I never had any clue. I never had any idea how stressful all this can be. So I've always said we need to open that up to all the politicians. I mean, senators, congressmen, commissioners, everybody. You know, if you're in charge of budgets that go for a county, city, state, government, whatever it is, and you're one of the ones that decides on how many people do we hire, do we uh, give them the proper um, mental health needs, that do we meet those needs, why don't you come out and, and put yourself in those positions and see just how bad it is? You know, I venture to say there's not one politician that'll put on a uniform and go stand a front line of these riots to see what it's like. I guarantee you they won't do it. Their well, little great, lives are too precious for that. That's a great point because when you when you turn on the news and you see these riots, very seldom do you see the actual leadership up there on the front lines or these politicians that are so critical of us. Right. And I you know, I understand when, when you have when you have that going on, you obviously can't have your your police chief or your sheriff or the governor or somebody up on those front lines. Sure. However, you don't see them anywhere. Uh, and I'm not saying the, the uh, leadership in law enforcement. I'm talking about the politicians. You don't see the right. mayors out there. You don't see the, the you know, governors out. They're not in the middle of that stuff. They have no clue what it's like to have somebody stand there, tell you that they're going to kill you. They're going to spit in your face. They're going to hunt you down. They're going to find your family. They're going to kill your children. They have no idea. No idea at all the stress that that's putting on our guys. Well, to, again, the, to the contrary, I would say that in certain cases, we've actually seen some of these politicians on the other side. Right, exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, um, they're taking the one side stand to it. And, you know, the, the fact is, and we're all going to have to remember this, because with the mass exodus that's happening in law enforcement, well, you take a, a with well, the college thing today, was it they announced on the news, well, Lynch College. All the professors decided they're not going to work today and tomorrow in protest for support Black Lives Matters. Wow. Okay, well, that's great. I'll bet you still got paid, though, didn't you? You know, but at the same time, all of these colleges either have a police force or they hire cops or security. You know, what are you thinking? What What is the – I just I don't get it with a lot of that stuff. But we've got to change our behavior. Um, currently, we're in trouble. 
Law enforcement in this country is under siege. They're attacking people at their houses. We know they're burning their cars. They just stabbed the police chief in the face. You know, guys that are involved in critical incidents are having to move, sell their houses, move to different states to get away from it. And those that are even involved in justifiable shootings are now coming back two years later and being prosecuted for it. I know. If we don't change that behavior, if our leadership and our government and the people don't change that behavior, the first line of defense is going to fall. And when that falters, it's total mayhem. And, and I honestly believe looking at over the years of what's happening, we're headed that way. If we don't change something soon. Um, but I will say that lately, if you've seen the big crowds coming out in favor and supporting law enforcement that are starting to clash with those other groups. You do see that, and oh. I think, you know, we, we frequently hear the silent majority, and we frequently hear that, you know, people have had enough. I, I want to touch on camaraderie and the brotherhood, but you just segued into the section that I was going to cover after that, so let's just go right into that right <laughs> now. Um, do you see it getting better or changing? And if so, how? I don't think it's going to get better before it gets worse. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to have a breakdown before it actually gets better. Um, currently, the the vocal minority, and I don't mean that in people, but just the groups of people, the small minority of people that are going out there and causing these problems, are are trying to defund the police. You know what? Guess what happens when you don't have the police? Who's going to protect you from all of the other people when they decide to come to your house and take your stuff? They don't think about what, what will happen with that. So, yeah, I think it's going to change, but I think it's going to be a slow change, and I think it's going to get a lot worse before that change happens. Well, I'll tell you, that's scary for every single law-abiding citizen and business owner to hear that. Yep, it is. And, and I, I, you know, I've said this for many years that it is time well you look in the month of june 2.3 million firearms were sold in one month so the public knows it's coming we know it's coming it's just a matter of time and i think the public is is getting prepared for it and if you're not getting prepared to protect yourself your family and your home then you're kidding yourself you really are camaraderie and the brotherhood and i know we've both seen our fair share of both sides to this topic i have to question your thoughts on the stress and the mental well-being with where everybody's heads are at now do you see this yeah. topic do you see it are we getting stronger or are we getting every every officer for themselves every deputy for themselves so to speak what do you, what do you think? Does it I don't think it's um, It probably could. I know that the, the agencies and I work with several different agencies. I know that those guys, um, they know that we, you know, there's always a little um, tit for tat going on between the agencies, but I, I still believe if, if uh, somebody is calling for help there, we're going to be there. There's just, there's no two ways around it. If, if I don't, personally like you 
I may not like working with you. I may not like the style that you that you do your job in or the way you treat people. But if you start screaming for help, you know I'm going to be there. Um, I don't think that's ever going to go away. I do believe that we all now keep our eyes open. And I think there's a segment of law enforcement that won't step in to, to tell others to back up. You know, like when we, in, in the days in the past, when we saw someone was getting a little too aggressive, we would grab them, pull them back, go sit in your car, we'll take care of this, that type thing. Mm-hmm. I do think now that the, the, some of the younger guys, and I'm not blaming them, but just the atmosphere that they're coming in and the things they're being taught and trained and how to do, I just don't think they, they're they aggressive enough to, to, to stop it if they start seeing somebody losing their temper. I don't know. No, it does. I I just, when you started talking about the younger guys, and this is a whole nother topic, a whole nother episode, but the academy and just things are changing. It's police work has changed. I mean, we are so focused on CYA and check these boxes and make this notification. I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm proud to see, I completely agree with you that if, if you're on a traffic stop and somebody goes by, I mean, more times than not, they're looking to make sure you look to be okay. If you're struggling with somebody, they don't belong in the profession if they're not going to stop and jump right in there right. to help you out. So I don't right. think that that's changed. I just, I have to, I have to wonder if the, perhaps the extracurricular, the volunteering, the helping out, the organizational, you know, outside of work, I feel like I've definitely seen just from the local agencies that we interact with on a daily basis, the morale, and it could be contributed to morale, but it's show up, do your job and go home and turn it off. And that's that's, you're, you're perfectly and a hundred percent right on target. People are not doing going out and doing the extra stuff they used to do. You know, for an example that, that there are now agencies who basically you either um, perform at their expectations or you're below. No one performs above it. They've even taken that out in a lot of agencies now because they don't, I don't think they expect it anymore. I think in the current atmosphere, the guy that goes out there and continually doing traffic stops and chasing drug dealers and, you know, doing all the, the good police work, the self-initiated stuff that we used to do, those guys don't do it anymore because they know it's going to end up in eventually in a shooting. You're going to have to hit somebody. You're going to have to spray somebody, tase somebody. You know, something's going to happen. And then, bang, there's that big civil monster that comes out with, you know, the uh, internal stuff, the civil stuff, the news media, the body cams. No one wants to be in that boat anymore. So that, you know, it's kind of like we're all standing on the bank now just, okay, well, i got to go to that call. That's what I'll do. And, yes, and that's especially for those, especially for those with families. You yeah, know. you can't. And I don't blame the younger guys with 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 families. Younger guys, and I, when I say that, I mean men and women both that have families and kids and are trying to, you know, build their careers and stuff. Why would you risk your neck to do that kind of stuff? I absolutely would not do it if I was in their position. And that's you that's know, and the, how many years? Yeah, how many years have we always said, "Oh yeah, man, become a cop. It's a great job." But what happens nowadays? Ooh, go be a fireman. <laughs> yeah, I, just go be a fireman. 
I don't hear, I don't hear many people recommending the profession and it's really sad. I actually said that to somebody the other day. I said, uh, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, you would have asked me different, different bowl game. Now, matter of fact, we just had somebody reach out to us on social media. They were all excited and they got accepted into the next step in their hiring process for a local sheriff's office. And I had a long conversation with them and I said, I'll support you because I know it's something you really care about. You really want to do, but don't let this change you. Don't let the profession change you. Remember who you are. Remember what you're signing up for. Remember why you're signing up. There was no talking them out of it. So, you know, I wanted to support them, but it's, it's changed. And the million dollar question is, is it worth it? You know, that's. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know that I could answer that with a yes anymore. No, I just it's... don't know that I could do that. I, I will tell you that, you know, and you're seeing a lot of this, uh, legal defense is, is the uh, only way to go. If you're not part of some sort of legal defense, whether it be FOP, PVA, or some private organization, you need to be. 100%. Absolutely need to be. You can't, you can't afford not to. You know, it's kind of like car insurance anymore. Everybody has to have it. Yeah. So. Okay, next section. This is your personal advice column. And let me put a Team South Florida disclaimer that we may or may not agree with you. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we tend to agree with you pretty much on everything. Um, so yeah. I'll give it three sections. Advice for newer officers, advice for veteran officers, and advice for leadership. Well, I'm going to hit on the leadership really hard. Um, that's I think the faltering line we have right now, the rest of that stuff, you'll have good people if you will reward your people and support your people. When your guys do a good job, you better be behind them. When they're out there doing the job, they get themselves into a situation, you need to be up front with them. Sit them down. And I'm not saying don't discipline people when they're wrong, but be fair. Equitably, you know, equitably across the board with the discipline. Everybody gets the same punishment or rewards. Let's do this right. Let your people know. Get out there. When's the last time? And here's a perfect example. When's the last time? And you can ask this of any of your guests. When's the last time their police chief, their sheriff, county commissioner, mayor, or anybody came out and rode with one of their officers to see what's actually going on? You can't lead people if you don't know what your people are doing. If you don't know the circumstances under which they have to currently do their jobs, you're, 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 you're actually fooling yourself because you can't properly lead them. So the leadership has got to change. It has got to start working with the people and supporting them and being behind them and stop this, well, I don't like the way that looks or we're going to investigate all this. Support your guys until – you realize they've done something wrong. You don't even give them the benefit of the doubt and you're not going to have, you know, loyal employees, basically what's going to happen. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. yeah. And as far as the, the younger guys go, come into it with an open mind, know that you're risking a lot. We always have. It's even more now than it ever was. Talk to the older guys, you know, and a lot of us older guys are sour, we're grouchy. <laughs> the nature of the job makes us that way. 
but you know, watch, listen, and learn. That's the three things that are going to get you through your career. And and never ever, you know, you have ethics, morals, and, and you cannot give those up. The first time that you you do something that you shouldn't have, even when somebody's not looking, you've lost it. You can't you can't ever recover that because it'll be in the back of your mind. You have to stay the course, and it, and in a lot of cases, it is not good. You are it's and I don't mean that as a bad thing. It is not going to be easy. Um, it is very tough to be an ethical cop nowadays. It really is simply because of everything that gets put on you. But to be ethical, you need to do your job. No two ways around it. You've got to treat everybody fairly. Put the guys in jail that need to go to jail. Help the people that need help. If you don't, you know, continually do those things, you're going to be in trouble. For the older guys, man, we all know what's going on. <laughs> we see what's happening. You know, it's our responsibility, though, as senior members of any agency to help train those younger guys and guide them through the turmoil that's facing them in the current situation and to let them know it's okay to hurt. It's okay to go home and have a really bad day and break down a little bit and that there's help out there for them. We have to do that because we're losing too many young guys because nobody's supporting them, nobody's sitting down and talking to them, and we're not training them the way they need to be trained. Well said, well said. All right, I know I gave you that, but let me ask you one more now just because this is one that yep. we, we get a lot. To the person that is vested or coming up on being vested, you know, regardless of your agency, whether that's five years, 10 years, whatever it is, and they're on that fence, do I do something else or do I stick it out and continue? What, what advice would you give that person as far as maybe a deciding factor or a decision maker? Are you happy and are you still able to help people? If you're not happy in your job, and you're not out there to help people, you need to go. It's that simple. There's no no games to be played with it. You know, if you've lost the edge, you don't want to be there anymore, you find yourself, you know, not sleeping at night, um, your body's breaking down from the stress, it's just not working for you, it's causing you problems at home, then, then find something else. This isn't the end of the world. You know, it used to be a way of life for us. Nowadays, it's a job. And you have to remember that, you know, you can always get another job, but you can't get another family. Well said. So, well said. Um, yeah. And I, the guys that are vested, you know, for me, the reason I've been there that long, one is trying to build my retirement as big as I can. But number two, I haven't, I haven't lost the desire for those things. I still, I had a case the other day where I was able to help this elderly lady and hopefully bring a, somebody stole a very expensive piece of jewelry from her and hopefully get that resolved so we can find that piece of heirloom jewelry. Um, and it made my day. It was just like, ah, oh, man, I'm going to be, hopefully you can be able to find this. I got all these guys involved in this. You know, that was a true victim that I was able to help. That's where the important stuff is. If you don't feel that anymore, then get out because you're not doing anybody any good. Make room for somebody that wants to do that. And those are the incidents that happen frequently, but we don't hear about them and we don't see them. Right, right. And it's, that's a, self, um, a self-motivated a self thing. And, you know, up until recently, I, I still was 
hundred percent. I want to be a cop. I love what I do. I love helping people. That edge is going away even for me, whether it be because I've been there too long or just because of the current circumstances. You know, only an individual is going to be able to know when it's his time to go. The difference is when it's time to go, pull the plug. Right. Because if you don't, you're going to be miserable. Bad things are going to happen. And this job isn't for everyone. You know, if you're not sleeping at night and you're having problems dealing with these situations, then then get out. You know, find something else to do. Go be a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all seem to be happy. Yeah, okay. well, that's the other side of the green grass. <laughs> that's right. All right, before I take it to the traditional closing, any last words? No, man, just uh, we're, we're in it to win it, and we've got to – We've got to, things have got to change. I, I think we're in for a really rough road here for a while, but that pendulum will come back around. Um, you know, we're starting to see some movement now where some of these protests, it's like, okay, we've had enough of this, these villains down. You start throwing Molotov cocktails, we're going to kick your ass. <laughs> it's that simple. And, and really, that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. You want to protest again? By all means, protest. I risk my life every day so that you can stand on that street corner and yell how much you hate cops. I don't care. You're not going to bother me. But you throw a Molotov cocktail at me, I'm kicking your ass. It's that simple. And that's where it's going to come to. We have to draw that line. Peaceful protest is one thing. You get some instigators in there, sorry, you don't police them yourself, we're going to handle it for you. So let's stay the course, man. Okay, in our traditional closing, we always like to make it clear that we will never forget and we honor our fallen. So on tonight's episode, this podcast is on September 8th, 2020. So we're going to go back to September 8th, 2009. Detention Sergeant Ronnie Brown of the Polk County Sheriff's Office tragically passed away as a result of injuries inflicted by an inmate just one week before. The inmate was in custody on a murder charge, refused to leave his jail cell, and broke a sprinkler in the cell. As Sergeant Brown and another deputy attempted to extract him from the cell, the inmate struck Sergeant Brown. Other deputies were able to pull Sergeant Brown from the cell and then close the door. Sergeant Brown was transported to a nearby hospital to be treated for a back injury. The following afternoon, he was taken to a second hospital where it was then discovered that his back had been fractured. He underwent surgery the following day. On September 8th, Sergeant Brown's wife discovered him deceased in the hospital room when she arrived for a visit. On March 19th, 2010, a little uh, less than a year later, the suspect was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 30 years for his involvement in the murder of the man over a drug-related incident, which took place previously. On May 21st, 2010, a few months after that, the suspect received an additional 20 years for battery by detainee, obstructing a crime investigation, and arson convictions stemming from another unrelated incident. Sergeant Brown served with the Polk County Sheriff's Office for 20 years. He is survived by his wife and his daughter, and his wife also served as a detention deputy with the same agency. May he rest easy, and may his family never be forgotten. <laughs>